0: This is the Progression Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Anderson.
1: What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. Today's guest on the show is James Casey. I think this is his third or fourth time. I think it's got to be the fourth by now. Coming back on the show, uh, and I love talking to James. James was the first foiling guest on the podcast And if you listen to that first one, I am sup foiling. I have no idea what I'm doing whatsoever. And it was a crazy good conversation for me because it's the first time I had spoken to someone who was foiling and he helped me a ton. So I'm eternally grateful for James coming on in early days and it's fun to catch up with him every six months or so. This podcast is awesome because James has just released his downwind online coaching module which is an online course focused on teaching everyone how to downwind like he does. And he's one of the best in the game. I'm blown away. I talk about it on the show, but 70 kilometers on foil without coming off. I just, I can't comprehend that. Just blows my mind. So amazing. And I apologize for not getting out of show last week, but we just had in Florida our best run of surf we've had in a long time. And I have been spending all of my free time in the water so log a couple sessions a day testing the new lift 200 v2 and then going back to the signature gear now with the base plate shimming we need to have a conversation about base plate shimming because it has really opened my eyes to what you can get out of a foil by increasing base plate shim you can decrease tail shimming you can get more efficiency with the same balance it's phenomenal, and it's blowing my mind going back and just testing everything with the with the base plate shims now. And it adds a little bit of complexity to the, the ride because by taking away the tail shim, you're losing some of that altitude stability because you don't have that front foot force always working, but you're getting so much back in dropping of drag in efficiency of the foil. So I don't think it's something that... If you're a beginner intermediate, I would start experimenting with yet. But if you are wanting to get more out of your foils in pumping and turns, I would definitely start diving in. You've got the wizard hat shims, you got the takuma shims, you make your own. And it really changes box placement too. It allows boxes to move farther forward. It's been wild, it's the first time, this last two weeks is the first time that my front leg, my left leg, is as sore or more sore than my back leg because everything, the whole paradigm has changed. And and my pumping's changed a little bit because of it too, but it's it's producing some good moments already. And I think as I get more familiar, kind of dialed on it, it's gonna be pretty much mind blowing. So I hope everybody out there is doing well. I appreciate all of the support and feedback. And I loved all of the comments I got on my tuna. Kajira slicing video, thought that was pretty rad. And after I did that, actually I'm gonna use it, I, I think I say it on this show or the next one I've said it, but say your tips, there, I think for what 99.5% of us are doing, we do not need gear that is as sharp as a knife. And after posting that video, you would be amazed at the amount of photos I got from folks who have had stitches or You know, just injuries based on gear and, you know, those wing tips, the NL, the the Kijira, they're really good, but they come at a cost and you just have to decide if it's worth the cost. As I've been trying to get a lot more radical and hit the lip more and you're starting to do some of these little baby airs or whatever you want to call them, I have gone away from the tips just because I'm falling in, in weird spots more than I have been and I don't wanna risk that right now. So, you know, manage your risk according to how you see fit, but I would suggest maybe sanding your setup down a little bit if if you want to, if you feel like you don't wanna get stitches, so. And I've had that (laughs) ongoing argument with some buddies right now who just swear that because it's so sharp that's why the wing is so good, but maybe I'm not that good because I didn't notice any difference when I took off about half of the wing tips and, sanded it off the back of the mast and the back of the foil, the trailing edge of the foil. So all right, hope everybody is good crushing it, getting lots of water time and enjoy this show with James. James Casey. Welcome back to the show, man. How are you?
0: Eric, thanks for having me.
1: You're uh, I-, I love recording with you, man, because we've had so many of these conversations. It's fun to catch up on what you've been up to because it's always something pretty cool so what have you been up to
0: of late it's been a little tricky just just sort of i've been surfing a lot playing around with a bunch of new foils wing surfing heaps probably heaps more than i had last time i would spoken to which has been a fun addition and then i'm still planning on a long foil along the coast but i haven't managed to track down a boat just yet but it's all coming starting to come together
1: you have no idea how many times I have thought about the fact that you were on foil for what was it was at 70 kilometers. I cannot get over that.
0: Yeah, 70 straight. And you know what? It was just a silly mistake. I'm still kicking myself about it. But yeah, when everything's flowing in the right direction, it's amazing how easy it is. And from that, I guess, actually, another thing I've been doing is I've been working a bit. I've been working on a bunch of online sort of learning modules. And I released my downwind foil module finally, which I'm stoked on. It's good to get it out there.
1: Let's start with that because I want to learn about it. That's something that for the first time, this is probably the first month that I can say that I've done real downwinders. I've started to learn. we've, We've been doing shore runners for the last year. That's some of my favorite foiling. But we've had a few days now of straight down the coast wind where you could pump out like an extra hundred meters and actually get into a wind line and learn to ride the wind line into the swell still angling down the beach the whole time and it's been incredibly fun i didn't realize how fun it was to kind of just be in open water just flying down the beach
0: yeah it's it's amazing And, and it's amazing how different it is in the surf zone compared to you know 100 200 a kilometre further out to sea. The energy is so different. I sort of describe the, the surf zone as lots of power and then no power, mm-hmm. and then another wave, a lot of power, then in between waves, no power. Out to sea, there's just like this, I don't know, infinite energy bouncing around all these different directions, and it's not like it's just breaking into the shore. It, you know, it can be bouncing out, it can be going across, it can be going out to sea it's amazing all the energy and you can the beauty of the foil is you can tap into that and, and you know 70ks on one one you know on the foil the whole time that's people go a lot further than that i'll just stay on the foil for you know hundreds of k's at a time and
1: who goes further yeah. than 70k i want to know
0: Galea, i think the french guy he's been doing a lot of he's been doing he's done at least two a hundred plus kilometer runs yeah clement colma as well those guys are going long distances. Um, Where?
1: Just out in the ocean I'm with a boat cool. following?
0: Yeah. Yeah, out to sea with a support vessel. Um, they, they did a really cool one in New Caledonia. Marcus Tarju and I did one, but that was very stop-start because there was <laughs> so much seaweed, just like ribbon weed. It's like a handbrake. So I think we, we probably didn't even do longer than 15Ks on the foil that day, but it was six or seven hours down the coast for 100K plus. But yeah. So yeah, I think it's becoming more and it's cool to see all the guys on Oahu um, the voyages I've been following them it's cool to see you know more and more people doing the downwind stuff and be interesting to watch the the prone guys get into it and, you know I think it's cool but I think as they progress the way I see it anyway here in Sydney there's no way you could prone downwind longer than six or seven k's without you know coming down and having to paddle two kilometers back into shore on Oahu they're pretty lucky they got a nice run without a reef so they can chip onto. Waves, if they do fall off, but I know the guys that are going longer distances over there in Oahu, they're, they're on a sup foil. The paddle and the bigger board just allows you to, I guess, get going anywhere. You know, you, you can fall off two, three, four, five kilometers out the sea, and you're guaranteed to be able to get up with a paddle, which is pretty cool, I reckon.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I just picked up a four, six Kalama wing board. Well, it's a sup board, but I'm going to use it for winging. And I think I could paddle it too. It's 80 liters. I used to paddle 80 liters. I'm getting back in shape too. I'm like three weeks on keto right now, I've dropped like 10 pounds. Getting nice. ready for summer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, getting ready. We're going into winter, but you guys, yeah, it's going, to, going into your windy season. It's going into our wave season here in Australia. 4'6, though, I guess from a, I don't know, what I've found anyway, is I, I ride a 6'0 oh, and it's 78 liters. Okay. So it's six foot by 24 inches wide. And I find longer and narrower. A little bit easier to get paddling and going with a wing, though. A shorter board's beautiful because you're up. You sort of using the wing to lift you. But yeah, I think you'll definitely have super. You have a bunch of fun winging it. But I think I'd be impressed if you could paddle that up on a you know a decent on, unless you're using a really big foil. I don't think you'll be able to paddle it up. Is kind of what I'm saying. A four six, there's just no waterline on that thing.
1: Right, and I didn't get it for that. I got it for winging. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, which so, is it would be for that.
1: So talk to me about the courses that you're doing because I'm intrigued. And then I want to use that as a segue into learning to downwind better because I'm frothing on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so basically there's three or four different, I guess, downwind runs I do. And, and, we, and here in Sydney, we get winds from the south, frontal systems, and then winds from the northeast, which are kind of our sea breezes. Basically, I'll go from not my normal standard run would be long reef to avalon that's about 12 kilometers and then when i want to do a longer one i go from either long reef to palm beach or um vice versa or manly to palm beach and that manly to palm beach is about 20 25 kilometers and then the long reef uh, is about 18 kilometers so you know i'll do that both directions which is pretty cool you can literally leave a car at one end and if you know the sub coming the next day get back and pick it up which is um takes a bit of the admin out of it the trouble with our runs here in sydney is that we've lots of headlands so there's our beaches and then our headlands will extend out some of them as far as two kilometers out to sea um so to prone downwind foil it's, it's tricky because you, you've got to go you know at least two kilometers out to sea and if you fall off in between the headlands it's a long paddle in every direction you know two kilometers plus depending on where you're going so that's why I, for me i've done a couple prone downwind foils but nothing longer than four or five kilometers because that's the longest stretch of beach between the headlands yeah it's been a lot of fun and more and more guys i've 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 been teaming up with Zane Westwood a fair bit. And he came on the podcast um, about earlier in the week or earlier yeah. in the month. And, um, he's picked it up. It's so good to be out there with him. He's frothing. and he's learning every time. And um, he had his best run ever the other day. We just missed each other, but we, we spoke on the phone. And his speeds are right up there now too, which is cool because at the beginning he was just over frothing and pumping too much and not gliding and feeling the ocean and you know sitting between the peaks in the trough but he's really he, he, he's got it now and it's I can't, can't wait to do some longer ones with him have a buddy out there that so should be good
1: that'd be good I find even when we do our shore runners here if someone misses the, the first wave or someone gets a good run I mean generally speaking we're you know a quarter mile a half mile apart within 10 minutes yeah pretty tough to stay together
0: absolutely yeah, it's hard to stay together, and I've done a couple of runs with with Zane now, and a lot of times he's or he's come down, which is, you'd expect. And I've literally been, I don't I don't want to come down off the foil because it's hard, you know, it's, it takes a lot of energy to paddle and pump up. So I'd literally the first couple of times I was zigzagging, doing loops around him, saying like, come on, wait for the right bump. Just you know, you'll get that kind of thing, and sort of encouraging him, and then like sort of pumping way out to sea and coming back into where he is, and going way into shore, coming back to his, and so. so for a ten-kilometer run, he was probably doing—he you know, was doing ten. And I was probably doing closer to, you know, fourteen or fifteen, just because I was <laughs> zigzagging the whole way. But um, yeah, now he's—I he, he, think next time we go, we'll be pretty much next to each other, which would be sick. That's always good, and we'll get some footage of each other and just I just share the froth out there. It's so fun.
1: <clears throat> yeah, it's epic. When you do get on the same bump as somebody or the same runner, that's so fun. My buddy Pedigo and I yeah. had a good one the other day and he had the 360 cam. He, he posted it on his Instagram. It was so fun. Just, you know, following yeah. each other back and it's forth. It's so good.
0: But how amazing is it? You can be literally on the exact same bump at one point and then in 20 seconds, you're like hundreds of meters apart because there's just so many options. You can go left, right, across, straight, down. Like it's just. It always trips me out that you can literally be almost like holding hands on the same bump and then the next 20 seconds... You are literally hundreds of meters apart and you're still going the same direction, but there's just so many different options. It's like a maze out there and you can take any option. There's no wrong option, there's just better options. Is that an
1: Australian that. thing? Like holding hands while you foil? Right,
0: you know, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Bit of
1: so, how are you approaching coaching, teaching, downwinding online? What's the structure? What's the setup?
0: Yeah, so the structure, I guess, is it's, there's a bunch of... There's, like, text. So I've sort of explained it via text, and then I've done a few videos explaining and breaking down how to do it. And, and, and I've filmed a lot of stuff with, you know, Joe Pros and drones and mates on the beach. It's literally running through the best equipment, the best conditions, learning how to paddle pump up onto the foil in flat water, doing the same in bumpy water. Then working on your pump technique, then what I call a downwind simulation. So it's whether you're prone foiling, you know, paddling onto a wave and pumping out to sea. Whether you're free winging, so you're using your wing foil to get up out to sea, and then just literally depowering the wing out to the side and just working on reading the bumps and going down the coast. Or, or maybe you're using a jet ski, and you can use a jet ski to whip yourself into a bump, and you know, downwind down the coast. And then once you basically work on all those things at the same time, because conditions and, you know, if you were just learning your flat water paddle pump, you'd get pretty over it. If you just worked on your pump technique, you wouldn't be able to apply that to downwind situations. And then basically you put it all together at the end. And basically there's all the steps, all the videos, all the analysis, all the guide. And then a Facebook private Facebook group where we basically discuss it all and, and break it down and post videos and talk about it and, and try to you know get people on the right track and basically it's all about getting people downwind foiling as quickly as possible and and the way I've sort of done it is I've got three different levels like from for this from the SUP racing world I I coach a lot of people training for races and I sort of see downwind foiling as like a little goal or or a race that you want to build towards it's very similar so I've got the basic model which is literally just the access to the online stuff and the Facebook group and you know chats on the chats online and then I've got two I guess more expensive levels essential and premium and 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 that's more of me mentoring and you know guiding you through the steps and, and personalizing the program for you to make sure you do get to that next level. And for the premium one, I include like a video analysis. So if you just film yourself, maybe you get your girlfriend, wife, mate, you just set up your phone on the beach and you sort of go for a little foil. I can use that to analyse how best for you to improve. And so all and basically I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get more people out there basically and, and share the froth and yeah, just sort of make yeah. it become a sport sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I am sure that the module, the videos, what you've written is going to be incredibly helpful. But I mean, the reason I started the podcast was to be able to ask questions to people who know more than I do. And if that's what you get with the premium, that's probably the best value of the whole thing is being able to, when you have a question, call someone who's going to know. So, and you know, it's an interesting thing, James, like I've done a lot of coaching too, and I foil with probably about, we've got a good crew now in, in Jack's Beach. We've got probably 10, 15 guys, when it's good, th- that'll all be out there, kind of right behind where I live because everyone will come surf where, where I'm at and my wife loves to film and it's really cool. And awesome. watching how quickly people are getting better now with just the right tip at the right time, it, it's incredible because you know, you're pumping a little bit off. I, I was helping my buddy Dave the other day. And there was just one thing that he was doing with his arms that was kind of killing his momentum. And, I, and we were in the, yeah. in the lineup and I was telling him just how to make this one little tweak. And he went out and got a, just his first like uh, triple right after that. And he's so frothy. You know? That makes me so stoked.
0: You see what he's doing. He's like, okay, just change this one thing. And they, and when they do it the next wave, it's the most rewarding feeling. And that's you know, that's what it's all about. It's about you know sharing that froth and just like, as you said, like I've been doing it for over five years now foiling and that Zane my mate Zane he's been doing it for about I think I don't know if it been a year maybe 18 months no um, he
1: said 11 months when he did the show last month and that blew me away
0: yeah year, pretty much from yeah which is crazy and like obviously the equipment's changed obviously the coaching's changed but like when I first started no one even knew that you should do it like no, there was no thought that maybe you should tow behind a boat first no like there was none of that <laughs> Okay, you go on the way and you, you pay your dues. <laughs> and that was how you learnt. I remember just, oh my gosh, just eating absolute shit for the first week. And then I went on to prone foil. Then it was another two weeks because the, the way my board was set up, the, the foil was a little bit like it was basically shimmed forward so it created extra lift. So I'd be getting up on the foil before I even got to my feet. And it wasn't all these little things. <laughs> it was just like what's going on and why is it doing this and you didn't know you just sort of rolled with it like well it just does this I need to get a better wave or whatever it is but yeah so it's amazing everything's become easier and, and more accessible and oh it's exciting
1: it, it, it is so exciting it, one of the beautiful things is you know going back to thinking about like the tip that I gave my buddy a couple of days ago is that he might have stayed in that same place for the next month two months and mm-hmm. being able to give the right tip at the right time you know, it's an immediate feedback loop, and it saves so much time. In a way, it kind of infuriates me because it seems like I had to work so hard to learn everything, and then people are learning it so fast because the information is out there now. But it's good for the sport, and it's really cool to watch people get better so much faster.
0: Yeah, uh, I know exactly. Like, I know what you mean Zane's been doing it for a year now, and he's ripping, like absolutely shredding it. And I've been doing it for five years, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> how long have you been doing it again? Oh man! But yeah, as you said, it's so cool to see. Like you basically, like for the down winning, um, I taught Marcus Tarjo when we were over in Hawaii a couple of years ago, and literally, in I don't know we were over there for about three weeks, and by the end of the three weeks, we were almost exactly the same speed. We we're using the same foil, the same boards, and we were literally next to each other the whole run. The start of the when we first got there, the start of the you know our trip over there, he was hardly even doing it, and then by the end because. The way I, the, the foils, I guess they they limit you to how fast you can go. You know, as you, know, you only get up at a certain speed, and once you're up and going, you can only go a certain speed. And when conditions are the same, you're kind of going more or less the same speed. And depending on the line you take, you kind of arrive at the finish point at the same time. So it's cool. Like you, you, like Zane, for example. You know, you teach him. You know, the first couple of runs, I'm doing circles around him. I guarantee you, the next run I do it, he'll probably beat me. Like it's literally. The, the progression's so quick once you get once you can paddle up onto the foil and once you do know how to read the bumps properly it all clicks like right away you're doing it and you're pretty much as good as not as good as you're gonna get but like you're right there at a competitive level which is so cool yeah
1: it's also cool having done you know my first intro into downwinding here really in this last month the amount of foil time you're getting. And the little nuance that you can feel in trim, you know, I've spent so much time mm-hmm. working on turning, right, turning and pumping, but there's so much, there's so much um, beauty in all the little trim lines, and finding energy where there's oh. seemingly not much, and, and I'm kind of freaking out on that right now.
0: Yeah, oh, the, the, the the you hit an the head. energy where there isn't a lot, but it, I I explained it when i'm coaching out there it's like you've got to tap into that energy and flow with it and if you're just pumping the whole time you're never going to be aware of the energy that's around you if you're expending more energy than than is around you you're just going to be working harder than you you need to but as soon as you sort of it's annoying but as soon as you start to try less hard and sort of just tap in weave and, and identify the troughs and the peaks and how they're all interacting with the swell and the wind chop, and then the backwash, we get a lot of backwash here as well and you can literally use all of that to your advantage. Instead of pumping and like literally your legs burning, you'll find that you can literally just stand there and, and be able to you know, eat a sandwich, have a chat to a mate on the phone, pack your wing up back in your backpack or whatever it is. It's literally not a lot of work when you figure it yeah. out.
1: Yeah. You don't know really change the game for me was starting to play with base plate shims. I have always been in a world of having too much back foot waiting and my back leg burning out. And the base plate shim has really changed that for me to where now I'm pretty equally balanced on my legs and I'm not, I it's, it's added minutes to my runs easily.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. But t- to me that, that's a, a funny one because when we first started designing boards with, with um, Sonova and Marcus sort of jumped on board with the foil stuff, we kind of figured that if your box and your board isn't parallel with your, your deck, then, it's, then you're going to have to shim it. Like, it's not right. Right. Uh, you know, the base plate shim, I've never actually played with it since, since, I, since Marcus started designing my boards because he always made it perfectly flat. There's no rocker in the board. And when there's rocker in the tail of your board and the, your base plate is at an angle, then, of course, you're going to have to shim it. But if, the, if your board is, you know, parallel, like if your your deck of your board is parallel with the base plate, that's like you don't need – to me, you don't have to shim it. Maybe I'm misunderstanding something. But, like, you know, obviously the, the, the first board I had we, it was with the tuttle box. And the Tuttle box was basically the the front of it was higher than the back of it, which is like reverse rocker, I guess. So it was in the board like that, mm-hmm. and and that was hundred percent easier to pump around. But I was always riding a little bit nose down, and then when the the, the board after that, we, we sort of we just whacked it in a, one of the old boards hanging around the factory, and it was this board had a rocker in it, and so the back of the box was higher and the front of the box was lower. So whenever I was pumping around, I was always really nose high. And that sucks for pumping. It was a little bit better for surfing. It sucks. What I found was like we Marks and I literally saw this right at the start and okay, well why don't we just make the the, you know, the boxes parallel with how you're standing. So the nose is always flat. And if you want to lean forward you can put the nose down. If you want to lean back you can put the nose up. Whereas if it's the wrong way around and you have to shim it, you're trying to shim it so you're even. But if, it's, if you're not shimming it, it's either t- to me because your board is wrong. This it, it, is how I see it anyway. Um, but I'd love for you to elaborate.
1: So, in regards to base plate shimming, I have started to like nose down a little bit and a yeah. higher angle of attack. And, and there might be something with the gear that we're riding too, because in my experience, GoFoil has always had the most lift. It seems Especially like, in the
0: initial ones, yeah. For especially sure.
1: in the initial ones. But even in, I've ridden, you know, the GL140, I really like a lot, and that has a whole lot of lift, too. It's really... The, the go foil wings that I have ridden have been the most front foot dominant foils I've ever ridden, and they ride farther yeah. back in the box. I like that feeling, and I'm basically recreating that with adding base plate shim. My, my boards probably have, I mean, a very minimal amount of tail rock. It's, I mean, it's almost flat, and... I'm shimming past that point for what I'm baseplate shimming. Now, I just got the JS board, the Black Eagle, and that board has <laughs> a lot of tail rocker, and everything felt really bad at first. And I was kind of bummed because everything wasn't pumping good, and, but then once I figured out how much I had to shim everything to get that feel back, now I love that board. And it's cool because the boxes yeah. in that board are really far forward, which I had been tuning everything for Takuma in my last build and they are much better tuned for lift or unifoil and it feels really good. It's also interesting the bottom contour, I'm getting off a sidetrack here, but the bottom contour that they've done, it's the exact opposite of what I've done in my design over the last year. Everything that I've been designing for is to skip while pumping and have the board basically disappear. So Mm -hmm. if I touch down while I'm pumping, I don't even really feel it on my shapes. The JS, if you touch down, it feels like breaks, and a lot of times I'll lose, I mean, sometimes I'll come off foil, sometimes it takes me a lot of time to work it back up. And at the beginning, I hated it, but then I started really getting aggressive in the foam, and you watch Adam surf, right, like most aggressive strapless in the foam of anybody. And it all made sense to me because they basically have built an edge board to where you can track with the board. So you can lose it and surf yourself, without the foil, out of almost anything. And the boards have a lot of surface area too, so it's the mm. most surfing skill that I've ever brought into foiling. It's been really fun to explore. You just have to be real careful when you're pumping not to touch down. I mean, that's the only drawback to that board, and then I guess the extra base plate shim, but it's a really good board. I like it.
0: Yeah. And what you just explained, you can tell why the board is on like that, because you watch how Bennett surfs and yeah, how foils and. He's basically surfing it which is so sick it's Um, so sick
1: it's transformed my comfort in backside like foam hits they've always felt so sketchy because i'm trying to ride out on the foil and now i'm able to do them and then ride out at least the beginning part of the re-entry on the foam and you can track you can set your line on the foam and Mm. then pop back up going the way you want to instead of the random shit. which way am i going to be headed when I pop back up on foil type of feel that my board kind of gives yeah. me, so it's really cool. And
0: I guess extra width on the board because I know it's a fair bit wider than some of the other boards out there. It's like he's transitioning, he, he's foiling, and then he's
1: doing a surfing turn,
0: and then he's foiling
1: again, which is yeah. pretty cool. And that's what it feels like. It, it's kind of cool for someone who, I've spent so much time shortboarding to be able to rely on all of that. It, it's been fun, yeah. But I just got a sidetrack there. Yeah. Oh, shimming, so go so ahead.
0: You'll, so you'll shim
1: it so it's a little bit nose down Because it creates extra pump, extra lift. It does two things. I think that it, one, I like that. And I was explaining this to a friend yesterday, convincing him to base plate shim. Because I did it for my son and it doubled his pump time, which was really (laughs) cool to see. He went from flat to, I don't know, a degree forward. So tail shimmed more on the base plate shim. And his pumping just got so much better. And I think what it is that if you think about like a swimmer on a starting block, the starting block is angled forward and it gives you mm-hmm. extra ability to push off. And when you're pumping, yeah. if you're pumping correctly, you're kind of jumping forward. And I think that mm-hmm. little bit of angle lets you drive forward harder on the foil and gives you just a little bit of extra pump. I agree. Yeah, and, for
0: sure. And that, that is like I spoke, that first board I had, I, I remember using it in Kahului Harbor and I was using the exact same foil, the, the original GoFoil Maliko. I was pumping way further than anyone else and everyone was like, how's this guy pumping so much? And because my the, the title box in the board was literally front of the... Basically what you're saying. It was... Like the, the nose of the board was down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Back-shimmed. Yeah. yeah. So, it was like it was it just extra pump, extra lift and, and like yeah, you, I could pump around way longer. It was worse for taking off in like yep. steeper waves yeah. and it was worse for like turning harder in the pocket because you're like almost going to nosedive a little bit more sometimes but So just literally just pumping, epic.
1: So I agree with taking off. I disagree with the turning. I have found that it makes my turns come around a lot harder. Like that was the first thing on the JS that I was feeling was that because it had so much tail rocker, I'd go to lay it on rail. And this is like a rail turn, not kind of like a tail turn. So a difference there. But when I'd go to lay it on rail the angle of the foil was kind of pointing away from the angle of the board and I'd kind of like dive into the wave almost. And as soon as I shimmed it, I'd roll it over and then all of a sudden it would come around a lot tighter. I mean, the argument is that your nose is probably a little bit closer to the water, but the turn is pushing mm-hmm. back on me a lot harder with the base plate shim. So it tightened everything up for me.
0: Yeah, so it, 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 it's interesting, I see different foils as well. Right. Um, but I literally went out with my brother and we were using a different board and, and we put the it was an older board and we put the foil further back in the plate, which basically added a little bit extra rocker. And straight away he's a very backfoot surfer. Mm-hmm. Straight away he was like, Wow, this is this feels way more like surfing now than before when it was further forward and you know obviously a little bit it was like less rocker, so it was a bit more flat to you know, the other way around. He was like he just kept nosed, he just kept breaching basically, too much lift. So you brought it back, and it it depends if you're more of a front foot or back foot surfer, I I guess, and also of the foil and the amount of lift and what wing you're using. There's so many variables, but yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to try that out for for in the waves again because I literally learnt on it, and I know that for the waves I'm usually foiling, I'm literally taking off before (laughs) before I get to my feet. Like it literally would lift so much, and obviously you can adjust that, you know, the amount that you're shimming it to. So yeah, you were probably
1: riding bigger foils back then too. I would guess, well, liftier—that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. one of the things. go-forals had plenty of lift. Actually, I, I have a couple more questions for you about the course that you're doing. So, at the premium level, folks get to ping you with questions.
0: Yeah, literally. So we we, we do a fortnightly like hour phone call, just working through. or oh, not hour, sorry, twenty-minute phone call, and and working through. Okay, you're doing this. Okay, let's work on that. Let's work on this set a few new goals, change up your training plan. I'll even include like gym sessions for some of the clients. Some guys are, you know, the sub-races that want to transition into foiling and it's like a fortnightly program, fortnightly phone call and then a monthly, you know, video analysis. We go through that. And then the one below that is monthly phone call, monthly program and no no analysis. That's kind of how I break it up. And then the basic is just access to the online stuff, the Facebook group where you can still ask questions in that. Like, And I get back to that usually within, you know, the day. So, we're all bouncing off each other and, you know, creating like a bit of a community and learning and, yeah, that's kind of how I've envisioned it, how, it's, how it started to work and now it's cool to have it out there now.
1: That's epic. And right now it's just downwind? Are you going to expand out?
0: Right now it's Downwind for foil, I've just started expanding for surf foil and wing foil. I've also got lots of stuff on SUP racing, so flat water technique, technical in and out through the waves, ocean and downwind stuff as well. So it's kind of a little bit of, it started with the SUP stuff, but my vision was to have it expand into the foiling, SUP surfing. And originally when it was the foiling, it was just surf So that's all there was. And now it's downwind foiling, surf foiling, wing foiling. Everything in between. <laughs> so yeah, it's made more work for me, but I, it's been fun working on it and just sort of chipping away at it.
1: That's epic. And that'll lead into some really cool trips with folks from the group too.
0: Oh, guaranteed. Yeah, we're just trying to set out a date for for something here in Australia. But yeah, before COVID hit, I was doing trips in the Maldives, sup surfing, trips in trips to Thailand at the Snova factory for literally a foil camp. There's epic little foil waves there. Um, and I was trying to organize a, a trip um, to Costa Rica where Chase is, and you used to live, and that was literally going to be in March, <laughs> and COVID hit in March, so,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We need to do that, though, at some point. I was talking we about do. Chase today. Yeah. it'll happen. It'll happen. It's time. Yeah, Ch- Chase just started toe-foiling a lot. He's all frothing on it right now. Oh, that's such a... That's like... I love it. That's it's like
0: it's like heli skiing. Like you literally tow yourself in, get a wave, ride it for twenty or so, like double, three, four times as much. Literally grab the rope back out and you onto another one straight away. <laughs> you, know, yeah, you got be. I think you got to be careful, like that. You're not doing it in crowded areas, obviously, because people get really pissed off when you're they're seeing you having so much fun.
1: I think that just happens with surfers and foiling all the time in
0: general in general exactly
1: yeah yeah we were doing a runner the other day and it was like i don't know terrible one to two foot conditions and we happened to run through the pier and kind of looped around the pier a little bit austin Toby lives here in jacksonville it's been really fun foiling with him a lot lately because he rips and he rides strapped nice. and he's always doing he's huge absolutely. airs and yeah, yeah backflips flips and oh, he's pushing it so sick to see it's super sick and it's fun to have him out there because he's so good and kind of pushes me and getting more radical in the foam i'm still strapless but it's you can't watch him doing flips and then not just charge at sections but anyways we you know pier was packed to surfers and we're all foiling around him it was kind of funny
0: yeah they they hate it <laughs> yeah at first like oh wow that's pretty cool and then when there's more and more of them, they're like, oh, you know, bloody foilers, blah, blah, so We're not even, like, I, I got yelled at the other day because I was pumping, I was surfing this little point break and it's this massive channel. And, you know, it's probably 100 metres wide and then there's a quite a popular surf break just the other side. And I got yelled at because I came within 20 metres, a kid who was paddling out. I was pumping in a channel where there were no waves around and literally going back out to get another wave. And because I was foiling within... 20 meters of a of a kid, <laughs> I got yelled at, and I'm like, I understand, like you you're worried about you know the safety, but your kid's about to paddle over to where there are 100 surfers amongst waves, and it's we're in a channel here where there's no waves, and like, I'm in control. Y- y- your kid's paddling out, he can just like there's no waves around. It, it's not a it, the unknown scares people. I feel, and when someone's having more fun and you're sitting there waiting for a wave, tempers can flare.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that the amount of fun foilers are having and how it decreases scarcity in the ocean, I think in in 10 years, there's going to be 100x foilers than there are today. It's just I don't see how people can watch it and not at some point just jump in, especially in a place like where I live. I agree. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, it's the same here. There's so many – no matter where you are, there's always shit waves. Right. <laughs> the shit waves for foiling is
1: epic. How yeah. stoked are you to not have to compete in crowds anymore? I, I mean, I don't even think oh. about crowds. I love having my buddies around surfing. Four of us will take off on the same wave all the time.
0: Yeah, and you're just like frothing. Yeah, and it's actually – because my brother still surfs a fair bit, and I, go for, I surf it in a bit, and uh, whenever we are in crowds, I'm like – look Willis this is fun but I've just seen like a hundred foil waves go unridden down the beach there and, and I've gotten two <laughs> waves in 20 minutes and the two waves I caught were like five maybe 10 seconds long and look I got it wasn't a bad wave I got a top turn in but <laughs> I could do about 10 top turns down the beach and not have to wait yeah I definitely tried it like Everyone goes through this stage when I first learned to foil, it's just everything is foiling. And I literally, when I first got a foil, I think it was six months, and I pretty much foiled every day for that six months and didn't really think about anything else. Now I try to still ride my stand up, I still try to ride my shortboard, I still try to ride, you know, my my longboard, I still try to ride my foil, I try to use my wing foil, I try to downwind foil, I try to mix it up as often as I can to, to pick up, you know, not forget the skills you already have, but also continue to grow your skill set in the other stuff. Zane, he literally
1: So in in regards to tail shimming, the big advantage of being able to tail shim is to be able to tweak your setup for different conditions with basically just like a credit card. Like I carry around a little credit card shims and sometimes if the surf gets bigger and I know that the Uni one ninety has a lot of forward pitching, I'll just add a little bit of shim to it and now I'm balanced again. And That's really nice to be able to do on the fly. So I just want to option. Especially
0: if you're changing around gear. Is, oh, I, I think I've spoken about this before. I, I try to kick and stick, yeah, <laughs> so to speak. Pick what I'm using, get used to it, and kind of hard to that when you're testing gear. Uh, yep. You're going to be able to tweak it a lot more. But I went through a stage when I first got the NLs. The pitch on my tail wing, I had to play around with it a fair bit, and it felt like I needed to make it, I guess, I explained it as liftier, so you're creating more drag on the tail wing. Mm-hmm. But... In reality I actually make it, i had to make it flatter to, to create less of a nose divey sort of action and um, i felt like sometimes I was going along and i'd do a turn i'd come out of the turn i would literally just nosedive. And i'm like that never happens like why is that happening all of a sudden and, and then it was literally just uh, i literally went to the beach with a screwdriver and you know a bag of shims <laughs> and we got a wave nap no, still no good came in played around did what i think Came back out. No, that made it worse. Came back in. Went the other way. Okay, that feels better. Yep, good. Tweak a little bit more. Yep, good to go. And that's, yeah, that's. I guess once I had that, I don't think I've changed it since. Because I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm happy with that. I don't want to have to spend minutes going in and out through the surf and playing around with gear all the time. I like to just go out and yeah, have your thirty-minute foil and enjoy it. Come back in, pack up, get on with the rest of your day. Everyone's different. And I love that you can play around with all that sort of stuff and i also you know i'm sure you played around with tail wings too and i've played around with a bunch lately as well and i kind of find it only changes like the last like five percent in in my opinion but to me the front wing is where the bulk of the action is occurring the tail wing helps but it's like you're they're like just like little tiny changes and then shimmying is a little bit okay you, you think you disagree
1: I might disagree with you a little bit there. I feel like, so let's talk about the the lift 200 V2 right now, which I've been riding for the last, I don't know, it's probably five or six sessions. And it's really good. You know what I like about it is that it is, I feel like most foils have a, what's the right way to explain it? A personality. And mm-hmm. you have to learn the personality of the foil and then fit your surfing to it. So like the Kajira, super front foot, Lots of like push into turns. It's not going to get real crazy in the white water. Exact opposite of the game changer, which is like really surfy. And it's, you're kind of just driving it everywhere you want to go. And it's not as flowy of a foil. The lift, the new lift kind of feels like it's neutral. And Mm -hmm. I really like that. And talking about tails, the first, I got the 38, the new 38 tail with it and it just didn't pump good it felt kind of slow to me and then i put on their 25 high aspect tail and immediately you're probably pumping it a few miles an hour faster it was so drastically Mm -hmm. different but turning really suffered on with the 25 and then i went to the 34 which is the shorter fuse tail and it's the best of both worlds and i guess that's not just playing with tail it's also playing with fuse length which is huge too which Oh, fuse length is huge. Yeah, yeah. The, the length of the fuse, like that literally can make
0: a slow, like longboard-feeling foil go into a <laughs> high-performance shortboard, like literally by taking the the, the, the fuse. And then, like I guess you're right, like for sure. The, a, a different tail wing, actually, I'm, I'm just thinking of when I swapped gear with my brother the other day and he had a, a much bigger tail wing on it and I was using a much smaller tail wing and sure it's slower the arc so bigger
1: right
0: but to me that's still it's like if I was going to change a setup I'd prefer to use a smaller front wing then with, with the same large tail wing like to, to me that makes a bigger difference right. if I was to go away and I had one tail wing and two front wings I'm going to cover more ground than if I had one front wing and two tail wings Absolutely. That, that's
1: but it's easier yeah. to travel with so get- two tails than two front wings.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yes.
1: yeah. Literally, that's all I've done for the last month, man, is run back and forth to the beach and change setups trying to figure stuff out. And a lot of the reason that I'm doing that is so that I understand all of the different feels because it helps the show, I feel like. But I've just yeah. got really tired of it in the last couple weeks because my surfing was suffering but then you learn so much through that process too i mean i think gear is a huge teacher breakthrough points you get doing that for sure yep everything just unlocked my last couple sessions have probably been my best sessions ever i've done my best turns both foam hits and and like hard turns connection turns it's i think this next month will be kind of fun just sticking to one setup for a little while
0: yeah, you'll you'll get to know that setup really well, and yeah. you'll know, as you said, like every foil's got its like got its angle and turn and line it wants to take best. And yeah, it's cool to play around with that. And I guess even within the go full stuff and testing, it's the GLs compared to the lift compared to the NLs, and then some of the new ones that are coming out. It's all been they've all, as you said, they've all got their own little nuances and what they like to do, and you figure that out pretty. Yeah, over time not not quickly but yeah the more you use each of them
1: the more you realize okay this one's good for that right this other one's good for that cool. yeah what kind of stuff are you testing right now how much can you talk about the new Gofoil setups that you're testing oh, i
0: think they've spoke about the, the the tkr which is the what do they call it toe kite race so it's kind of super high aspect stuff and i've actually only used one of the wings at the moment i was playing around with the downwind version of it crazy how fast it went for, for, for me at least compared to you know the nl it went it was hard to get going and it was a way, way different feel to what i'd ever used downwind before but once you got it going up on a swell <laughs> you literally didn't really stop i think i did close to a two minute kilometer on my first goal of it my watch died <laughs> just a after a two minute um,
1: kilometer that's 30 kilometers an hour average insane. i don't know what
0: the average is yeah but it was yeah it was like i feel like this wing on the right it wasn't even a good day Downwind conditions but i feel like this wing it was too like it was too small for me but the, 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 I, I did paddle it up but i couldn't normally i finish and you got to pump in into the beach off the headland, and I couldn't pump it in to all the way to the beach from the headland. So that, to me, was like okay. This is literally just a epic condition wing, and yeah, it was pretty cool to to play around with that. But for me, I've I had to I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to test them. I've literally taken it out three times now. And but yeah, that is some new stuff coming out, and they're working on a few other things that are I guess a little bit more user friendly for downwind. Yeah, yeah, you know, they got such good conditions over there on Maui and that they're trying out a lot of different stuff and you know, Alex is downwinding, which is cool. He wasn't originally, but he is now and he but he also is really into the wing stuff and he's gone. I think he broke his record of the far he did like a thirty he he hit thirty three miles per hour on, on the wing foil. I think as quick as he's gone. Um and he was he was like, Man, this this foil is crazy fast and oh, I'm yet to try it. I want to tow with it. Um, and we're just this weekend, we're actually going to have some pretty decent swells. Going to try to get out there with Zane. But yeah, it's going to be fun playing around with all that sort of gear. You yeah. See P-B- yeah, I'm not sure you what see, else. Yeah. You see PB's back in the PB's water? PB's back. Yeah, I saw him out the other day. He went TC right there and I was actually on my SUP. The surf was pumping. <laughs> it was so nice and they were buzzing around on the on the jet skiing foil and just like, we actually shared a together, which is pretty cool.
1: I'm so happy yeah, was, for him. Got, I know that's been so hard. Oh yeah,
0: it's been super tough for him. Good to have him back
1: absolutely so let's spend these i don't know what do you say another 15 minutes or so is that good for you let's talk about finding energy in downwinders what are you looking for i mean this is i've spent a lot of time thinking about this in the last little bit and i'm such a kook at it still i'd like to learn as much as i possibly can in the next 15 minutes kind of a little preview of what you're going to offer on your course that i'll sign up for i'm sure
0: so, to me, the, the best thing you can do is before you even get out there and foil is, is look at the conditions um, and that's it's just before you pick up a paddle in, I guess, my module, the, the first thing I sort of analyze is conditions and a lot of people, you know, they'll wait for well, – there's just a few misconceptions, I think. People think big wind, big swell, best conditions and, and – Yes and no, but big wind for sure helps because it's going to blow you along. It's easier to paddle up, easier to keep going. Big swell, not so much because a big swell generally means a larger period, means longer time between peaks and troughs. So if you think about, like, say, let's say a 20 second period, 20 second period means there's 20 seconds between when you're on one swell gliding to the next swell gliding. Compare that to a, let's say, five-second period. Five seconds between one peak and trough to the next peak and trough. So if you think about it, if you have to pump for 20 seconds between troughs, that's way harder than pumping five seconds between troughs and peaks. So to me, the best conditions you can have is super windy and almost like no swell because then it's all just wind chop and wind swell. That means you're literally going to be able to find energy really easy all the time. And there's a, the other thing with big swell is it's very rare that the wind direction is going the exact same direction as the swell direction, unless it's just sort of wind chop. Even with a wind swell, it's always going to wrap and refract in towards the coast, which pushes you into shore, which is not a good thing. You normally, when you want a downwind foil, you want to go along the coast, not into the coast. So. Uh, You know, unless you're on Maui and the coast bends away, which, you know, they're very lucky over there and it's epic conditions. But yeah, generally speaking, condition wise, I'm looking for obviously a nice windy day, but then also, you know, upwards of 20 knots with little to no swell. And if there is swell, it's a shorter period wind swell because there's more energy in that sort of stuff. I've, I've gone out when I went, a couple of years ago when I was just getting into the downwind foiling, I went out on a massive day and this is when the, you know, Malika 200 and Eva sort of wings were the ones I was using probably three years ago, four years ago now. And the swell was huge. I'm like, oh, it's going to be an epic day at a downwind foil. So I set myself up for the 20, 25 kilometer run and I got eight Ks in and sort of where my house is and I can, you know, had the option to come in and change wings and, it was so hard to A, get going and B, pump between the big peaks of this massive swell. It was like a six-metre six, six meter swell at like sort of 16 seconds, which is about as big as it gets in Sydney, and we had a really strong southerly wind with it. But what happened was because the swells were so large, it was almost glassy at the bottom of the trough. There was like no wind chop. So sure, if you got one of those swells, you were flying, you were going so fast, but in between it was really hard to link your next one up. And so I was literally pumping as hard as I could. And so I was trying to use a... Actually, I went in and changed to a smaller foil because I wanted to be able to keep with the swells for a longer time, which obviously is harder to pump between them, but if I can glide with them for longer, and sure enough, it it was better. But in terms of learning, that's not really something you want to be trying to do. You, You want to learn on big equipment and use the wind chop to sort of fuel... You'll run. So I guess that's conditions, and that's once you're out there, you you know, it's not always as per forecast. You can literally, I always say, this when I was teaching Zane, it's like, okay. Let's just sit out here, I'm going to point where I want you to be paddling. So we literally look downwind at our nose of our board, and we'd wait for a peak to roll under us, and then just after the peak rolled under us. Like you say, so your the nose, your board is going up as the peak. So down as the peak comes under you. And then as it goes past you, your nose goes up. And as your nose drops again, that's the perfect time to start paddling. So that's a peak just starting to run. So in my eyes, you're looking at the back of a swell or back of a peak. That's the best time to start paddling to get going. If you are to paddle, if you look behind you and paddle for the bump that you see coming, when you start paddling, your nose is going to start to, Basically, trend upwards and you're going to be trending uphill to try to get going. Now, that's you know, you you run down a hill, you're going to get much faster than when you run up a hill. It's exactly the same when we paddle. If you can paddle down into a trough to get going, you're going to be going way quicker and it's going to be way easier to get going. And that's one of the biggest mistakes I see. People think, okay, I'm going to paddle up on this well here and they're looking behind and waiting for a big one to come through. And that's exactly the wrong thing to be doing. You want to be looking for the shortest steepest trough you can find because you can literally paddle straight down into the bottom of it get up on the foil and then continue along how's that, that all sounding yeah,
1: yeah that, that all sounds i mean we get up here we don't have enough energy to pop up in, in like the windswell or the wind shop yeah yeah so we pop yeah. up in the surf and then pump out
0: pump out yeah 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 so, so prone foil set up yeah so we, i guess so once you're up and going it's like a sort of a it's like the next step and once you're up and going, it's about trying to stay high on like on the front side of a peak for as long as you can. So basically you're always looking down into a trough.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: obviously, if you just continue to go down into a trough, generally there's gonna be a point that you go faster than it and you run into the you run into the backside of a peak in front of you. So you go down into the trough and run into the peak in front of you you want to try to avoid doing that and the best way to avoid doing that is by called it's trimming so by running across the swells like and it's like across along the troughs so if you think about like a peak trough peak you want to try to sit on the upwind side of that trough it's a downhill it's like a little half pipe
1: mm-hmm. and if
0: you always run on that downhill side of up the trough you're going to always have speed obviously it's That's easier said than done because it's not like a perfect halfpipe. It's not just moving halfpipe along the coast. There's all this other energy that's bumping around. But you want to think about always, like, if you do a turn, you're going to slow yourself down and stay on that downhill for longer. So you're slowing yourself down to speed yourself up, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Literally, like, you're you're stalling, so you're still going downhill. So by running across the swells, left or right you're going to continue on that downhill for far longer. If I go straight with the swell, a lot of the time you're going to run into the one in front of it. Yeah. Um, and that's not saying, like, as you progress to a faster foil, you're going to find that you probably go faster than a lot of the wind chop, and you might be tapping into this sort of more ocean swell. And that stuff goes way faster, and you can literally up and over these chops and these peaks and troughs all the time. But there's going to be a moment that you run out of speed and you almost want to slow yourself down and, and like pump either left or right, out to sea or into shore and wait. You can, you can literally see them coming. You pump out and you see one coming. You want to turn down just as that, like, like you're going for a wave, like you're turning down with it and you want to give yourself space so in front of you, you don't want you don't want to run into an uphill at any time because that's if you have to run into an uphill, you're going to run out of speed. The other thing to think about, which is again, getting a little bit more out there. Yeah,
1: that that all makes sense to me, James. You know, in our conditions, generally the best conditions here are when it's blown straight sideshore. So we'll have a swell at one angle, and then mm-hmm. generally not quite a ninety, but a pretty obtuse angle. You'll have. The, uh, the wind chop. And so the way that I've, and actually it's best when it's really hard with just a touch of offshore, because then the yeah. conditions are still pretty clean. And once you get off about a hundred meters, 200 meters off the beach, you start getting some like good wind bump. I mean, it's not wind bump like yeah. you guys are getting, but we have some wind bump. And what we do is we you chip in, pump pretty far out the back, and then you oscillate between full on surfing the swell. And yep. then riding the wind bumps back out, so we kind of zigzag up and down the coast. I think it's a lot more energy yeah, yeah. than a pure downwinder because you do a lot of pumping. Yeah. But some of the yeah. scenes. Yeah, and I guess
0: being offshore, you're getting less of that wind bump. But two things: the offshore is helping you is one, it gets you out to sea.
1: Yep.
0: And first of all, and then second of all, because you're using that that swell that is wrapping into the shore, you can ride that, which is super nice. But it's taking you the wrong angle. Right. And then once you pull off that swell, you want to use the offshore to take you back out to sea, which makes total sense. So it's a, uh, a lot of the times we do, I do a run here and it's southwest winds. Southwest is a little bit offshore for us. South is like straight cross shore. But normally when there's a big southwest wind, there's a big south to southeast swell. So it's epic because I can literally run with the swells and like literally go almost not into shore, but like more into shore. And then when I get too far in, I literally can just tap sort of out to sea with the wind that's blowing me further out it's easier to go right further out to sea and then i go left in with the swell right out to sea with the wind yeah. um yeah so it sounds like yeah and you know, everyone's got conditions that are, it's not always going to be perfect but that's common that'd be a super common thing all around the world i'd say
1: yeah it, it's pretty epic every once in a while you can find these seams where, and I don't, I haven't really figured out where the energy is yet. It almost feels like it's a negative wave. It doesn't feel like there's actually a swell. It almost feels like it's just a trough.
0: Yeah. And they're yeah, really they're the small, ones.
1: but they just run. Yeah. And and they're,
0: and they're like really like troughed out. They're like super steep. And you're just like sitting, yeah. looks, you're looking down and you're like, I'm like running in just like a little deep spot in the ocean here. Yep. Yeah yeah I haven't figured out just, what that is yet but I love it dude, they're the best ones when we downwind like on our stand ups That they're the ones that you're looking for uh, they, they talk about it small ones pay the bills big ones for the thrills so like <laughs> you take those big drops but a lot of times those ones are only gonna spit you out and into an uphill somewhere yep. whereas the little ones you can just sit on those for, feels like days on, on a supper you yeah, know it might be as long as 30 to 45 seconds on a foil it can literally be minutes and you're just sort of running along these things and it's like man i'm just standing here i'm not even pumping i'm just finding this energy and it looks like there's nothing in front of me but i am gliding
1: yeah it's so fun it's also really made me think about stance i I move my front foot way back once i find good energy out there to kind of balance everything out really a a narrow stance now so
0: i was gonna say yeah so in terms of the least energy if you're going to use the least energy basically the closer your stance is and whenever i'm pumping i always think about moving my back foot forward of the mast right it just creates more of a forward flow and when i run out of speed it's like i'm all, like i've run out of speed where you're in the surfer you're out to sea downwinding i think about shifting my back foot back just to get a little bit of height that little bit of height buys me a little bit more time and then i can shift my foot forward again and i can kind of use that little bit of like downhill that extra altitude in the mast allows you to sort of glide a little bit longer and give you a chance to create more speed so yeah i'm I'm moving my back foot a lot so when i'm really gliding i'm my my feet are almost together and i'm really working my feet kind of split apart a bit more and i'm kind of oscillating the board up and down more but you're most efficient when your feet are closer together and those oscillations are smaller so it's like a tiny little tap rather than a longer boom boom yeah
1: what what mast size are you using for downwind
0: I've tried uh, all the shorter ones. I guess I'm using the, the one I find that is the sweet spot for me is 32 and a half inches. Okay. Um, I've tried the 36 and a half, and when it's super gnarly, like big conditions, windy, big swell, that thing's really good because you're not going to breach as much or touch down as much. But it's sort of a trade off. So the shorter mast feels like less drag and it's easier to get up and on the foil. But Once I'm out there, I feel like I want a little bit more height because the difference between a peak and a trough and your wing, like your foil coming out or not coming out, makes a huge difference. Whereas that 32.5 feels like the sweet spot. 36.5 feels too long because when I'm not going fast, it's harder to pump. Slightly more drag, slightly more weight.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, Yeah. having foils that can handle a breach for downwinding seems like something would be necessary just because it's so costly to come off foil.
0: Yeah, for sure. Definitely wingtips coming out are doable, but generally you want to try to keep the foil underwater. But it's hard because it's always messy conditions when you're downwinding. Right. As long as you stay up high on that, like I guess if you think about staying up high on the backside of that trough, almost on that top of the peak, just the downwind side of the peak, you, you kind of have a bit more water around you to keep that mass uh, so keep the foil in the water i i feel whereas Mm -hmm. when i'm running up and over them that's when you're more likely to breach because it's there's the water level's changing a lot more
1: yeah that's the one thing that i need to really work on right now is i tend to fall most of the time when i am in our better conditions when there's bigger swell and bigger wind chop when you're kicking out mistiming the kick out and breaching Coming off the back of the wave because generally I also like to to run them in to where it's pretty steep, <laughs> you know, like it's about to break yeah. or because you get to get off a couple yeah. of good turns there. But then in the, in kicking yeah. out, you know, it's really hard to time the wind swell to fit in the seam, like you were saying. And I'll tend to to, I don't know, kind of air out the back every once in a while it sounds like you're doing
0: i guess what i call more of a wave downwinder you know you're using the outside of the surf break yep the further out the sea you get the less steep those swells are and they're kind of fatter and Mm. moving faster and if you can tap onto those they're kind of (laughs) you're not gonna you're not gonna worry about breaching because there's too much water moving you're gonna worry about breaching because you're moving too fast and then the wind chop that's the sort of more technical stuff but you're gonna be bouncing between that stuff but at a slower speed and there's more undulation I guess and that undulation is when the wingtip
1: can come out you know you've inspired me the next time that we have good conditions I'm going to see if Austin will take out the ski and drop his trailer down in St. Augustine which is like I don't know 20 miles down the beach see if we can do it
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially like if you go with a team like and with a jet ski you're going to you, like I did a really good four run down in Jirola, here in here in New South Wales and we went about it was about 20Ks and swapping out with a mate. And we literally just, I'd be going for one run. And if I came down, okay, my turn is that we swapped over. And, and literally, you're guaranteed to, to do the whole run. And like, if you can get up on the foil, you're going to be gliding, you know, somewhat. Because they're basically just waves going down the coast. All the energy is running down the coast. And the more you do that, the more you're going to figure it out. And one of the things that I sort of tell my clients, if they want to learn to sup downwind foil, and, you know, have that's like, to me, that's, the most, um, I call it like solo. Like you can do it without any um, assistance. You don't need a wave. You, you can come down and paddle back up. You don't need a jet ski to tow you back up. You don't have to paddle back into shore to to, to chip back in onto the wave. But if I'm if people want to learn to like do long runs on their SUP downwind foil, um, I always encourage people to to if they're going to take a jet ski out is to use. The equipment that they're going to try be doing their first SUP downwind foil on, because if you're using a tiny little prone board with a little little foil that you can, you know, just keep up on the small board, but there's no chance you can on the big board, then you're actually not going to ever progress to learning on the SUP because you're not going to be able to foil the whole way down the coast. Um, you're better off sense. going slower with less falls and like basically linking runs the whole way, so staying up for the whole normally i encourage you know on a when you do your first one solo with a sup make it nice and short two or three k's that's like one or two miles because and then from there you can progress it go further and further but yeah you don't want to there's no point playing around with on a jet ski on a tiny little foil then you go to your first sup downwind foil on a massive foil and a massive board and all of a sudden it's like it's completely different you're not training anything so you gotta learn to crawl before you can walk so um but in saying that, it's super fun using a tiny wing and towing in onto open ocean swells. And the same with the with, with the winger ding. You can do the same sort of thing without a jet ski and just get out to sea, free wing, with yep. a tiny foil and you just glide for ages. And if you get in trouble, you just use your wing again, get yourself up and going again. So much fun.
1: That's that's why I'm getting into winging right there. Yeah, it's, I, it's,
0: it's the gateway to downwind foiling, honestly. So good.
1: Yeah. It's been
0: unreal for coaching
1: it. I actually think here it's probably superior to sup downwind just because of the way our conditions are. I think the conditions that will be best for running the you know down the coast will probably be much better to have a wing to get that far outside. Um, just have to figure uh, out on how you got
0: to learn the, the pack down, wing out, pack down, paddle up. Because I find when I'm downwind foiling with a with a wing, unless it's super duper windy. The, the wing is a pain in the ass. It literally, yeah. it gets in your way. So like you'll be foiling down the coast and your wing will have no wind in it because you're going faster than the wind and it gets, it like goes limp on you mm-hmm. and then you like almost run it over. You have to like put it above your head and then it's just an extra thing. It, it actually makes it harder to downwind. So all, right, all ahead of you. you, you'll figure it out.
1: <laughs> I'm frothing to have new, new avenues of the sport to dive into. Uh, how do folks yeah. find your course, sign up for it, the whole thing?
0: Yeah, go to caseyoz.com or my Instagram um, at casey.oz or at Coach Casey and you'll find uh, in, in my link on Instagram or yeah, caseyoz.com is going to be the best one and there'll be um, Coach Casey Club um, and that's how you sign up and you've got your choices. Basic, 50 bucks, essential, 150, premium, 250 and Sign up within 24 hours, they give you access to the online courses, I and then mean, you'll be good to go.
1: You want to throw out, and I can edit this out if you don't want, but do you want to throw out any discount or anything like that? Someone mentions the podcast within a week of it coming out or something like that to get yeah, people to do for sure. it?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Let me think of a code. I was, okay. Yeah. I got a code. The progression project. <laughs> there we go. Easy enough. Yeah. yeah. So if you use the code, the progression project, I'll give you guys a discount for the for the first couple months. And the way I work it is, it's a monthly subscription. So um, love to work with you guys, and yeah, let's get you out there.
1: Killer, um, James. As always, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, yeah, uh, Eric, thanks it's, so much. It's I fun love to do work, these catch-ups. Oh, thanks. Absolutely. Actually, on that note, James, and I'll probably say it a little bit in the intro too, but I've been getting a lot of feedback lately. A lot of people are listening right now, which stokes me out, and they're asking for the quality of everything to be better. And there's always been this fight between going quality and keeping this as something that I can continue to do as a hobby because it doesn't actually make foiling just cost me a lot of money right now. Yeah. So yeah. I am flirting with starting to take it more seriously. And, and um, so you guys will see a lot of improvements and a lot of cool things coming. Uh, but that might be the price of that might be some advertising or I mean, it'll be, you know, foil advertising or something cool. But um I don't know. There, there might be some things, some changes coming because I don't know. It seems like it's cool and it's making a lot of people stoked and I'd like to do it well. It just has to make sense to do it well. I can't just spend a bunch of time. Um, I don't know.
0: Exactly, no, I, and I think that's a good way to do it. There's lots of people out there foiling and frothing on it, and there's plenty of brands that are wanting to push their stuff. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'd be down
1: to to chip in for something because I know so many people. Are like, oh,
0: I listened to your podcast with Eric. It was so good. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't
1: asking that in any way, shape, or form, James. I was just saying that there's going to be some changes coming. So,
0: um, no, yeah, I'd, I'd be more than happy to jump on board, Matt, because I've I've loved
1: the the community you've created, and um, oh, do the foiling yeah. community is so good. It's awesome. Yeah it's so yeah. it's so um, funny man the spot that we surf out back um in jacksonville beach is just like a sandbar like any other sandbar in florida i think i've had five or six people driving through florida hit me up say they want to come foil out back you know it's just like it's turning so into good. this random foil spot it's pretty it's pretty cool man just meeting new friends yeah, all over the place in
0: your backyard too <laughs> yeah <laughs> everyone comes to you yeah it's so good
1: it's epic all right man well hey thank you so much again and um yeah good work on doing all this helping everybody get better
0: yeah Yeah. thanks eric appreciate it and loving the progression project
1: this is the progression project podcast deconstructing foiling flow and the learning process
0: with your host eric anthemson